0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Life is full of ups and downs. You know that. Sometimes those downs can be pretty intense. Often the criticism or lack of support from others can leave us feeling pretty lonely. In many ways, that describes the life of King David. Yet in his relationship with the Lord, he wrote in Psalm 23, I shall not want, or as some versions word it, I lack nothing. It's true, life may still be challenging, but like David, we can come to realize we are never alone and the awareness of the presence of God can sustain us. To learn more and grow closer to God, here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, The Shepherd and His People.
1: Crisis produces trust in David. Now, I know that may seem odd to some of you. Some of you thought, I thought God's job was to make me happy. Isn't that what he is supposed to do? But crisis-producing trust in you, in me, is a very, very important part of our Christian life. It's an important part of our faith. So let's jump in. We we don't know the circumstances upon which David is writing, but we do know that he appears to be in some sort of danger. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. And the Lord is with him. Now, let's just take a couple things we know about David. We know that he grew up as a shepherd boy. He was, it wasn't come from the kingly line. He was the beginning of the kingly line, if you, if you will, the family line, the line of David. And he would become what was known as the shepherd of Israel. But who is David's shepherd? Remember when we first started the church here. People would say to me, you know, uh, well, my wife would say to me, well, who's your pastor? And, you know, there's certain men in my life that I would consider in that role. But I would say to her, ultimately, I'd say, you are. You're Pastor Pam, all right? Because she's like, you're so busy, busy shepherding other people. What about you? And so David knew that the Lord was his shepherd. So that's why he writes, verse one, the Lord or Yahweh, the covenant name of God, The Lord is my shepherd. He personalizes it. And because of that, he says, I shall not want. Another version says, I will lack nothing. So David refers to him in what we might call, for his time, the the name. The name of God, Yahweh. If you want to jot down in your notes, if you're taking notes, Exodus 3, You want to see when God speaks to Moses, that's who he is. He is the God who will be with Moses. Now, for us, the term Lord really, probably in many ways, often lacks intimacy. It's probably one of the reasons why we're encouraged to think of God as our Father, but that comes with some baggage for some people. Uh, but, But think of it. In the sense of when I say it lacks intimacy, sometimes we just refer to the Lord. Oh, the Lord knows. Oh, Lord knows. Or, you know, I'll go talk to the Lord about it. So it's a very, very casual attitude. That's like me calling Pam the wife. Have I mean, you ever hear some guys talk? Guys, we know this. So you hear guys and they go, Oh, I gotta talk to the wife, or or you know, what well, the wife, or this. I never call Pam the wife. I never do. I say my wife. Or a lot of you know, I say, my Pam. Now, that could be why followers of Jesus, and if you're not one, man, thank you for being here tonight. Way to go. Glad you're with us. And, but that could be why followers of Jesus like the name Jesus. As a common name, there's an intimacy there with that name. Now, Yahweh, we're told here by David, and we know in the Scriptures, was also, in addition to being the creator God, was a shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd lives with his flock. A shepherd travels with his flock. A shepherd, as we'll talk about in the bit, leads and feeds his flock. He, he guides and provides for his flock. Now, shepherding, we think probably because we're blinded by Christmas, we think it's sort of a nice thing, you know, those nativity scenes and stuff like that. And Uh, or you watch Charlie Brown Christmas or something like that, and you think it's a nice thing. It was actually uh, very, very dirty work. It was lowly work. And if a family had sheep, the father was a shepherd, he would usually pass on that duty to watch the, the, the sheep to who? The youngest son. And that's who David was. He was the youngest son, and he got stuck with, the dirty work. Now, pastors are to be shepherds. That may be, some of you may go, I know that. Some of you may say, I didn't really know that. Why wouldn't you know that? Well, because we live in the age of celebrity pastors. Talk about two words that should not be in the same sentence. Celebrity pastors. A lot of pastors are entitled. A lot of pastors think that the people are to serve them. It's 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 all backwards. I remember years ago, I was talking to an older woman, and she was very very wise. And she said to me, "So, um, what do you think the Lord is doing with your life?" And I said to her, "Well, I think God is calling me to be a pastor." I always felt weird saying that to people. And, you know, people would always have their advice or they'd say this or other people would look at you like, yeah, sure, or whatever it would be. But this woman just smiled. This is all she said. So you feel God has called you to be a shepherd. That's all she said. And it was like the angels from heaven had just come down and had a pronouncement from God. You feel called to get involved in the lives of people. I just smiled and I just kind of said, yeah, I guess that's what he's called me to be. And I remember walking away and saying to the Lord, point well taken, that pastors are to be shepherds. And they are to shepherd, as Peter says, the flock of God that is among them. And you can't shepherd a flock that you are never among. And so this psalm takes us through the daily routine of a shepherd, walking with them, resting with them, feeding with them, feeding them. Now that sounds nice, but also they had to protect them from enemies and other wild animals. And then eventually they would come home and they would enjoy the night get some rest. Now, that preparation for David uh, allowed David to see how Yahweh was both the shepherd of Israel and David's personal shepherd. You say, well, how so? Well, that would be in the sense that, that we, like the sheep, David knew this, are totally dependent on the shepherd for life. David knew if he didn't take care of his sheep, he'd come back and (laughs) they'd be in pieces. The the wolves and the coyotes, whatever whatever kind of wild animal, lions and bears, they would get at them. And so David knew that his life was the same way. That no matter how much power he had, no matter how wealthy he was, no matter how big his army was, that he was dependent on the shepherd for life. The old patriarch, Jacob, he, he knew that. He said this, Genesis 48, 15, it says, and he blessed Joseph and said, that's his son, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me, another version says, has been my shepherd all my life long till this day. Jacob knew that his life all the way through, and he had quite a life, had been protected God. So David is saying, Yahweh, the personal God, is my shepherd. Now, a lot of us know when you have little kids, you know, they pick up toys and they go, mine, mine. Some of you don't know that a couple of the ladies in our church banned me from being around toddlers in the church because I go into the room and I pick up a toy and I just yell, mine, mine! And they all run at me saying, mine, mine! And then I leave. And then they're like, you, you rile up the kids, Pastor Jim. Don't come in here anymore. And, and so what does that mean when he says, he's my shepherd? Is he like, he's mine, he's mine! Does that mean that the Lord belongs to David exclusively? Well, yes and no. Does the Lord only belong to David? No. Is no one else except Yahweh ultimately his shepherd? Yes. So he personally belongs to Yahweh. Kings were often called the shepherds of the people. And King David knew that in the people's eyes, we just said this before, he was known as the shepherd of Israel. The king of Israel was the shepherd of Israel. But unlike a lot of the other kings who thought they were all it, David understood and knew that Yahweh was the true king and that Yahweh was the real power behind the throne. That he was the real king. And so David declares He's my shepherd. He's my king. I will gladly live under the reign of Yahweh. I will gladly live under the reign of the king, the shepherd of Israel, the true king. Now, some of you go, well, that's easy for him. He's King David. Well, a lot of the other kings, nobody told them anything to do. They wouldn't have it. You think, well, well, he's rich. He's a Bible writer. Yeah, I, I know, he, I, if you read the Bible, you know he messed up a few times, but, but, but he was the, God, the man after God's own heart. All true. But when we read the Psalm and the Psalms that he wrote, we can't forget the deep pain that this man went through. Some of it of his own making, a lot of it of his own making, but not all of it. And that deep pain... That experience of growing up as a shepherd, of dealing with the wild animals, of everything that happened in his life, that deep pain is what makes verse one a reality. You're probably not gonna be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd until he has shepherded you through deep, dark pain. I mean, dark, dark stuff. Other than that, you're sort of in a holding pattern. You're you're happy about it. I get it, But, but... if you talk with most couples, they'll tell you that, that there's a great joy. couples that are doing well, that are th- thriving, that love being married. I love being married. And, and they'll tell you that, yes, in good times and in joy and in blessing, they rejoice together. They grew closer together. But they will also tell you that probably it is in mourning and in sadness and in deep pain that they actually grew closer together. Because in that point, they became so dependent on one another. Again, we don't know when David wrote this, but we do know about some of the events of his life. We know he was, had a, got the dirty job. He was the shepherd. We know that when Saul had, his time was over, Samuel King, uh, Prophet Samuel came to find uh, the next king from the house of Jesse. And he lined up all the brothers. David wasn't there. He was out with the sheep. The Lord kept saying, not him, not him, not him. All the, all the guys you think it would be. Nope, not him, not him, not him. And they go, and so Samuel says, is there anybody else? And they go, yeah, there's the punk kid watching the sheep. So they go, go get him. They're like, what are you kidding me? Get him? It's a waste of time. They got him. And indeed, he was the chosen one. But his brothers, they didn't respect him. They were all afraid of Goliath. And David goes out to the front lines and and they're fighting him. He's bringing some supplies there. And he's like, we can take this guy. And they're like, why don't you get out of here, you stupid punk. Go back to the sheep. You don't belong out here. This is for men, not for you. And what happens? He takes out Goliath. Well, then people knew that he was named by Samuel to be the king and King Saul was still the king and he didn't like that. So he tried to kill David, throwing spears at him. That's not exactly fun, is it? Especially when you're serving him. The Philistines, they hunted David down. They killed his best friend, Jonathan, Saul's son. Then when he was supposed to go out to battle, he didn't. And he saw a woman bathing on a rooftop named Bathsheba. And so he calls her in and he commits adultery with her. She gets pregnant. He then has her husband killed out in the battle, thinking he's getting away with it. And the Lord sends the prophet Nathan and says, hey, dude, we know what you did. And so he's waiting for the baby and the baby dies. His daughter, one of his daughters got raped by her her stepbrother, one of David's sons. David did nothing about it. I don't know whether he was paralyzed. I don't know what the deal was. You can ask him when you meet him in heaven. But he paid stiff consequences for doing nothing because her brother, Absalom, did something about it and killed that stepbrother And eventually, Absalom's hatred for his father grew so intense that he tried to steal the kingdom from King David and in the process of it all, David's son Absalom died. He had various stories of friends stabbing him in the back. He had all kinds of problems, more things than you and I could ever imagine. Yet, because the eternal Lord is an intimate shepherd to David, David concludes, I shall not want. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. These are the words of a man who is content in the present and confident in the future because... Of his relationship with the Lord. Let me throw out the challenge to all of us right now. Can we, like David, try to be focused on being content in the present and confident in the future solely based on our relationship with the Lord? That's an amazing statement coming from a man who had lost so much. I Shall not want. And you may not believe this, but I believe this with all of my heart. If David could get to that place, you and I can get to that place. That all of us can get to that place. This is the the theological concept of what we call the sufficiency of God. For David, for many people, the Lord is always enough, even when life is tough. So what did David experience even in the great difficulties of life? He experienced the love of God. He experienced the peace of God. There's other times where he seems panicky and sad, yes, but he understood the love of God, the peace of God. He understood the fulfillment of God and he understood and experienced contentment in God. Let me ask you this question. How many people do you know that are really content? When you think of all the things in the world that you could have, there's probably not too many things that are higher up on the list than being content. In other words, David would say, despite everything that's going on around I am happy in God. I find great joy in him. And because of that, I realize that I lack nothing. Back in Moses' day, uh, before King David, Moses used similar wording to describe God's care for the people of God in the wilderness. He says this, uh, Deuteronomy 2.7, Nehemiah also said it later on, for the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Interesting, they complained the whole way. I wonder how many of them at the end said, you know what, when it came down to it, we really lack nothing. It's important to note that David uses the word, he says, I shall not want. He uses the word want and not the word desire. So, so, what is he saying? He's saying, I did not lack what I needed. Like a good father, like a good shepherd, the Lord does not give us everything we desire. That would be a bad father. That would be a bad shepherd. That would be a bad friend. Trusting the Lord, then, David is showing us, and David is picturing himself as the sheep. Trusting the Lord is like a sheep and shepherd relationship where the shepherd, the Lord, will make sure that we don't lack what we need. In other words, when he says, I shall not want, that means I shall not be in want or I shall not lack what I need because my shepherd, because we are so close, he's going to provide all of that for me. Now, David, again, he, he knows a lot about sheep. And there's, a, there's that little book, you know, Shepherds Look at Psalm 23. If you want to copy right into us, I think we have some extras around the church. And, and, but the interesting thing about sheep is, left to themselves, they lack everything. Left to themselves, they are helpless. Let, yet, the shepherd provides. So you might say, what does the Lord think I need? What won't I lack as long as I put my trust in the Lord? Well, the next two verses actually help us to get a grip on that, to understand that. In verse two, we see that if the Lord is your shepherd, you won't lack rest. You won't lack rest. Look at verse two. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, interesting. uh, Again, sheep are very skittish. To get them to lie down, not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, They were always afraid of, uh, you know, they either wanted something to eat, they wanted to run away, they were afraid of, of other animals or anything. But it also says to lie down in green pastures, plural. So what does that mean? That the Lord is with them as they are on the move. He leads me, the shepherd leads the sheep beside the still waters. Some versions say beside the quiet waters. So picture yourself having a, a long, long, hot day or perhaps a long, tough season of life and the Lord leads you to this beautiful field. It's a beautiful, warm, sunny day. You know, the kind that you're not hot, you're not cold, it's just perfect. I call it the temperature of heaven. And And you just are able to stretch out on the grass by a quiet stream. It's quite a a picture of the Christian life. You're out all day long, serving the Lord, wherever the Lord leads you in in what is at times a dangerous and harsh world. And at the end of the day, you just need some rest. You're You're just searching for rest. And to lie down is to rest. And the idea here is when you need it, God is ready to supply it to you. Again, it's a situation for a sheep where they feel safe enough to lie down. There's also here the mark of a good shepherd. He leads the sheep. He leads the sheep. I know a lot of sermons have been in church a long time. They they like to focus on how dumb and dirty sheep are. Well, I don't know to me, what's the point? I think the point is really how helpless they are and sometimes foolish too. But the focus is more on how the shepherd who is all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful is willing to lead the sheep. Not be like, hey, listen, man, you can't get it together, I got no time for you. Not at all. That's one of the reasons you know how gracious God is that he didn't give up on David. He hung in there with him. And so he leads the sheep. That's very different than driving the sheep. Two very, very different concepts. To lead is to say, come, let's go. To to drive is to push and to push and to push. Now, there always comes issues with a lot of people because maybe you came from a driving household. So anytime anybody politely asks you to do something, you take it as they're trying to manipulate you. So if that's you, you need to really think about that.
0: Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.